I'm excited about this series. I'm, I was having my devotions about a week and a half ago, and God just laid out several things in this scripture about how he comforts us, and we're going to talk about the first one tonight. Uh, but uh, isn't God good to comfort us with the comfort that we need? Um, I remember when my kids were little, uh, they would oftentimes uh, fall and skin a knee, and they would always go to their mom. And if she wasn't there, they would come to me <laughs> uh, because they needed comfort. You know, all of us need comfort, don't we? Uh, no matter who we are. And um, the scripture here tells us about how God comforts us when we're struggling with sin. Uh, if you've been a Christian much time at all, you know that there will be those times and those seasons of life where you struggle with sin. It might be the sin of unforgiveness. It might be the sin of a, of a bad attitude. could be uh, some sin that you're committing in your life that is a, is a stronghold in your life. But all of us, at one time or another, will have those times where we struggle with sin. Uh, matter of fact, I believe it's a daily struggle. I think there are, in some ways, each day we have to come anew and afresh to God to find His strength to live the Christian life in the way that He desires and uh, when you begin talking about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself, who of us does that perfectly? Uh, we need the supernatural empowerment of God to be able to do that in our lives. And so the Holy Spirit comes to provide that power, but not just to provide that power, but also uh, to bring comfort to us in our struggle. And, and I'm so grateful that God does that because... Let's face it, there are times that we fail. Uh, if I ask how many of you have failed, I'm not going to do it, but I'm sure every hand would be raised in this room because we all have failed. And probably all of us have, have felt the emotion of feeling like, God, after I have failed you in this way, how could you love me? How could you continue to use me? How could you continue to deal with me in love? And and we know God's word that says that we're justified by faith, but sometimes we have a hard time believing that. Sometimes it's hard to take those things from our heads to our hearts. And so that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. He, he comforts us in the middle of our struggle. And so the title of my message is Comfort by the Spirit or Comforted by the Spirit. I believe each one of us needs to go to the Holy Spirit to go to God in those times of struggle for his comfort. So look with me at Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. And the scripture says, Therefore, no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus. Because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do, since it was limited by the flesh, God did. He condemns sin in the flesh by sending his own son in flesh like ours under sin's domain and as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be accomplished in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh think about the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit about the things of the spirit. For the mindset of the flesh is death. But the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mindset of the flesh is hostile toward God. 
because it does not submit itself to God, to God's law, for it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives in you. So then, brothers, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. All those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So comforted by the Spirit. I want you to see several things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives to bring us comfort in our struggle with sin. Well, The first thing I want you to see is that he brings life. He brings life. If you look in verse 2, Uh, My translation says, because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. But uh, literally in the Greek, it's the the law of the Spirit of life. And the sense is that the Spirit brings life or quickens your body or or raises you to life, if you want to think of it in in those terms, um, so that you can live the Christian life in the way that you need to live it also so that you can experience the abundant life that God wants you to experience. Uh, if you look uh, over in verse 11, he says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through His Spirit who lives in you. Now, there's a couple of ideas in order to get this that we need to talk about. One is uh, that we have two natures in our, in our uh, if you're a Christian, you have two natures. If you're, un, if you're, non, uh, if you're non-Christian, if you're unsaved, uh, you have one nature, and that is the old nature that the Bible talks about, or the, the flesh. Um, in verses 8 and 9, he, de- he describes that. He says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, it doesn't say they can't do good things. It says they cannot please God. They cannot live the life that God desires. And then in verse 9, he says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And you got those words in and according to are important because um, we as Christians can struggle with the flesh, but we're not in the flesh. Lost people are in the flesh. They just have one nature. And so we have a new nature, and so there's a struggle there, but we can choose uh, to follow the right nature. And so when you understand that, then you understand verse 11. The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Uh, 
then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. And so he's speaking about that old nature, that mortal body. He's, he's bringing it to life so that you can overcome those sinful things in your life. But also, uh, he is the spirit of life, the spirit who brings the abundant life. Okay, So I've talked about all that theology But let me talk about the practical nature of what that means for you and me. We, because we put our trust in Jesus Christ, have been made his children. We've been justified or acquitted of our sin, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Which means that when I sin, I don't stop becoming a Christian. I'm still God's child, and I'm secure in that. Uh, but my fellowship can be broken. Uh, if any of you have ever seen one of those tracks that have the big, the two cliffs, and it talks about us being separated from God as lost people, and people trying to get across by all these different ways, but the only way that will get them across is through Jesus. Um, that is true of the lost person, but it can also be true in a measure for the saved person. I don't know if any of you have ever seen the movie The Princess Bride. But in that movie, they go to this guy that's supposed to be able to bring people back uh, from the dead. And uh, they bring their friend in there who's supposed to be dead, and they have this conversation with him, and they say, well, you know, uh, how much are you going to take for this? And he, he tells them the price, and, and uh, he says, well, he says, there's two kinds of dead. He says, there's, he says, there's your friend, and he's mostly dead, but then there's completely dead, and you can't do anything for them. Just the mostly dead you can help. And but that's a, kind of a silly and a make-believe type, type of thing to think about. But uh, in one sense, that's true of a Christian. Because even though we have life in Christ, there are times in our Christian walk where we don't live in the fullness of it. And uh, instead of experience the, experiencing the blessings of, of the abundant life that we have in Jesus, we experience the pain and the heartache and the death of having our fellowship broken. We're still believers, but we've had our fellowship broken through willful and ongoing sin in our life. And and so you have to confess that to God. And the scripture tells us if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so that fellowship is restored through confession. So um, when he says that the Spirit brings life, what he's saying is when you are broken and when you struggle with sin and when you have failed, he says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. What he's saying is you can receive, once again, the infusion of the abundant life when you come to God in confession and the Holy Spirit applies his touch to your life and comforts you and encourages you. Um, If you've ever uh, seen a dog licking his wounds after a fight, Uh, that is something of what sometimes we feel as Christians when we have failed God. And the Holy Spirit comes and he he touches us and renews us and ministers to us. Um, There have been times where I've felt that way and I've gone to God's Word and I have read a scripture and the Holy Spirit just kind of applies it to my life um, and, and says, that's for you. Uh, impresses that upon my heart. I don't hear an audible voice, but he does that. And what happens is it encourages me. It ministers to me. And then maybe I hear a song on the radio that 
ministers to me. But God takes me where I am in my brokenness, and he comes and he touches me, and he infuses me once again with his life. That's the grace of God. What a wonderful thing. Romans 5.1 says we stand. Romans 5.1 and 2. We stand in the grace of God, in this grace in which we now stand. I cannot be taken out of the grace of God as his child. And so the Holy Spirit ministers that grace to me, and he comforts me and brings life to me. But he also brings life to the weakness that's in me and raises me up like he raised up Jesus from the dead so that I can live the Christian life. Um, sometimes my cell phone goes dead. And, but right before it goes dead, sometimes I've noticed it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. It kind of gets glitchy. And, you know, it might, the screen might flash or something like that, or I've tried to do, use something and it, it doesn't work right. And then, of course, when it dies, it, it's just completely worthless. And what I've found is I, when my cell phone dies, I have to plug it into the charger. And what happens is when I plug it into the charger, my cell phone charges back up, and guess what? Good as new. It'll do everything it's supposed to do. The same thing is true of a Christian living in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is like plugging your weariness and your powerlessness and your failure and all that is wrong with you into the, the socket of God's power. And God raises you up, and he strengthens you up. He charges you up. Uh, have you ever seen Popeye eat a can of spinach, you know? And pow, that's kind of the idea. And so the Holy Spirit gives you the ability. He raises you up so that you can live the Christian life the way that God desires. So he brings life. So when you are broken, go to God and ask him, confess your sin. Ask God for the filling of his Holy Spirit and choose to surrender to him and trust him. Um, and uh, he will infuse his life back into your weary soul. So, uh, comforted by the Spirit, how does, how does he comfort us? He brings life. Secondly, he brings success. Success. Look at verse 3. What the law could not do since it was limited by the flesh. Now, he's just had a big discussion about this. Because of our sin nature, we are unable to obey the law of God. But even more than that, what Romans 7 says, our sin nature makes us want to disobey it even more. And so, when we hear, it's kind of like telling your toddler, do not touch that, right? And what do they want to do? They want to go touch it. And so, uh, that's kind of the idea. And so he says, the law couldn't help us be righteous or godly people. Uh, all it could do was provoke the sin within us. It also reveals that sin which shows us our need for Jesus. But what he's talking about here, it provokes us to sin even more. It's limited. There's an inability of our flesh. But what the law could not do, since it was limited by the flesh, God did. Now, how does God do that? Well, first of all, through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus' death on the cross, he took care of the penalty of sin, but he also took care of the power of sin. And Jesus sent the Spirit. Look at verse 4. He talks about sending his own Son in flesh like ours as a sin offering. Verse 3, 
But verse 4 says, in order that the law's requirement would be accomplished in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Okay? So, he brings success. Verses 12 and 13 also talk about that. Uh, Look at verse 13. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay, so what what he is saying is, he's saying you're not in the flesh, right? Because you're a child of God. You're in the Spirit. But he says, because you are a child of God, you have two natures, an old nature and a new nature. You've got to choose which one you're going to walk according to. Uh, Now, I won't ask for you to give testimony to the ways that you have walked according to the flesh this past week. You could probably think of a few occasions, and I, I can think of a few occasions in my life. Um, but that's a choice that we make. Uh, now, we come to God in our brokenness, or we come to God maybe in temptation, in the midst of a temptation. And what we can say to God, if we've got sin, we need to confess it. But what we can, can say to God is, Holy Spirit, overcome this evil in me and empower me to live this life for you. Okay, that's, what, that's our prayer. That's our inviting the Spirit. And Luke says, how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? I think he's talking about that empowerment. And so uh, we can ask Him to do that, but then we have a choice what we're going to do. Because the Holy Spirit gives me the power to choose rightly, but I still have to choose. And so I've got a choice. Do I walk according to the flesh or walk according to the Spirit? And so, once I have prayed and invited the Holy Spirit to do that, then my next thing is, and sometimes I'll even pray this, Lord, what do you want me to do next? Because instead of focusing on that temptation, now I'm focusing on what God wants me to do. And so, um, I, I've taken my focus off what I want to do, and I'm taking, putting that focus on what Christ wants me to do. That's part of taking your thoughts captive, if you remember reading about that in Scripture. Um, you're choosing to follow the Holy Spirit. Um, there may be a location he wants you to leave. There may be an activity he wants you to stop. There may be something uh, that he wants you to quote from the Bible. Uh, there may be some activity. He may say, open your Bible and begin to read, you know, and just kind of give you that impression in your heart that that's what you need to do. But you're being sensitive to walk in obedience to his direction in your life. And when you walk according to the Spirit... Uh, Galatians gives this promise, you will surely not fulfill the desire of the flesh. Isn't that a great promise? Um, so um, you're choosing how you're going to walk. Now, that the Holy Spirit brings the success. Okay, If I was trying to overcome that temptation in my life without his help, I would fail. Especially in those areas where I'm weak, and and where you're weak, we would fail, right? But when I choose to invite the Holy Spirit in, and I choose to walk according to the Spirit, what He does is then He takes charge of helping me to be the right, do the right thing, and be the right way, and uh, and He begins to bring that success to my life, and that's a comfort to me. I want to tell you something. If I thought I had to live the Christian life in my own strength, I would be incredibly discouraged. I have learned enough about myself 
not just in doing the wrong thing, I've, I've failed plenty of times doing that, but in failing to do the right thing. Failing to love people the way I should. Failing to witness when I'm prompted to do so. Uh, all of these things in my life. And, and sometimes I have a bad attitude. Okay, I'm just, I'm being real here, okay? If, if it were up to me to live the Christian life, I would be an utter failure. But praise God, it's not just up to me. God has sent the Comforter to come alongside me and to empower me to be what God wants me to be. And so he brings that success in my life. And so anything good in me, I, I can't take credit for my salvation because Christ did that for me. I can't take credit for any righteousness in my life or any success in service for Christ because ultimately the Holy Spirit does that through me. Everything that God has done he gets the glory for. And so, uh, what a comfort to know that he is with us. He is the unseen partner in, all of our, in, in every detail of our lives and everything that we face. Such a great thing to know. As you begin to walk according to the Spirit, you will begin to have the mindset of the Spirit. Okay? Again, there's a choice. You can have the mindset of the flesh, and you can... Uh, what, did, what did Peter do? He, was, he had just finished telling Jesus, if everybody else denies, me, denies you, I won't deny you. Then he goes into the garden, and what does he do? He denies him. But not only does he deny him, he does it in a way that's incredibly embarrassing to him later on. He begins to curse and say, I don't blankety blank blank know the man. And what is he doing? He's, he has the mindset of the flesh. He's fearful. He is uh, angry. He is um, just, I mean, he, the whole gamut's there. He's got the mindset of the flesh. Now, I realize the Holy Spirit hadn't been poured out at, at Pentecost at that point. But, um, but that's a great illustration for how we are without the Holy Spirit's help. And, and, and what kinds of things we'll do. And so... When we choose to walk according to the Spirit, there's a mindset of peace in our life. Now, that comes from following Him and surrendering to Him like we just talked about. It also comes, I think, through prayer. When we, we take our burdens and we take our concerns to Him in prayer, and it may be a struggle with sin that we're taking to Him in prayer, or it could be something else, but, but you spend that time in prayer and you thank God for the things that He's done, and all of a sudden, somewhere in the midst of the process... God's peace comes. And the scripture calls it the peace that passes understanding. The mind of the spirit, the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. Literally the word for mindset in the Greek has the idea of the, the result of the thinking. Um, and so it, the idea is you, you've got this settled mindset that's a result of how you've been thinking but also, there is a result that comes from that thinking, and that is that we have the abundant life, and we have peace. That's what verse 6 says. The mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. I think of Stephen, 
You remember Stephen, that godly deacon in the book of Acts. Um, he's preaching a message that is a very confrontational message. And he's pointing out people's sin. And, and sometimes people don't like to have their sin pointed out. And so um, at one point, the Bible says they gnashed their teeth. I'm not going to try to demonstrate that. But they gnashed their teeth and they rushed at him and they began to crush him with stones. It's not, they weren't throwing pebbles. They were taking big stones and they were crushing him to death with stones. And the Bible says that Stephen looked up to heaven and they noticed that his face was like the face of an angel. You know what I think was written across the countenance of Stephen? The peace of God. And in the middle of this horrible situation, nothing could shake him because he was full of supernatural peace. What about Jesus? You remember Jesus? As he, he's the anointed one. He has the Holy Spirit in special measure. That's what Messiah and Christ both mean. Jesus has prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Sweat, great sweat drops of blood. Mark especially emphasizes that. And after that time of prayer, the disciples are sleeping, right? They're not prepared. Jesus has agonized in prayer. And now he stands and he faces the most horrific trial of his life. And he has perfect peace in the middle of it. That's the Holy Spirit. So that when he's accused... He's silent. And, and finally, Pilate says, don't you realize I have the power to acquit you or the power to condemn you? Jesus says, you don't have any power, but what God has given you, the one that's delivered me over, uh, has the greater guilt. But, but you see, Jesus had peace. Why? Because he'd been with God. And the Holy Spirit of God had brought his peace to his soul. There's no more anguish. There's no more sweat drops of blood. Jesus is filled with the Spirit And he is full of supernatural peace. That's the comfort of the Spirit. And whether you're struggling with sin or whether you're struggling with something else, the Comforter comes in your life as you you seek him, and he touches you and brings you his peace. Over and over again, you see it in the Psalms. The psalmist is complaining about his circumstances and complaining about his enemies and and struggling with life, and somewhere in the middle of it, something changes. It's like a switch turns on. And from that point on, the rest of the psalm is praise and thanksgiving for the greatness of God. Why? The peace of God has descended. That's how the Holy Spirit comforts us. He brings His peace. The Scripture says, be anxious for nothing, including your struggle with sin. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Bring your anxiety and your struggle to Him, and He will give you His peace. Comforted by the Spirit, He brings life, He brings success, He brings peace, He brings assurance. Look at verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Look at verses uh, 14 and 
and uh, 15. Look at verse, I tell you what, look at verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. This is one of the most beautiful things. Um, Paul has talked about his struggle in chapter 7. Things I want to do, I don't do. The things I, I don't want to do, I do. Woe is me. Who, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he's, he's, he's just trying to put into words the struggle and the frustration that he has in trying to live out the Christian life in his own strength. And he talks about his failure. But then... You get over to chapter 8 and you see the ministry of the comforter. Even though Paul has failed and you and I have failed God in so many different ways. God comes to us once again and he encourages us with his presence and he assures us, you are mine. I remember when my dad used to give me spankings. I never enjoyed that. Uh, but one thing he, he learned somewhere, I don't know where he heard this, but it was a good thing. He, he would sit me on his lap and he would say, Son, I'm sorry I had to spank you. I didn't enjoy it. But he said, he said I have to spank you because I want you to have character. He said, But I want you to know I love you and you'll always be my son. Don't you know that's what God does for us? He disciplines us. But the work of the comforter, the work of the Holy Spirit, he, he, so to speak, spiritually, pulls us up in his lap and he says, I want you to know I may have had to discipline you, you may have sinned, but you will never stop being my child. That's the assurance that the Holy Spirit brings to his people. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who loves us in that way? Comfort of the Spirit. How does He comfort us? He brings life. He brings success. He brings peace. And He brings assurance. And this comes not because we deserve it, but comes as a gift of His grace because of the work of Jesus Christ. God rewards us for the righteousness that Jesus Christ lived out in this life. And He doesn't Punish us in the way that we deserve because Jesus Christ took our penalty on Calvary's cross. He disciplines us, but it's for a goal of making us Christ-like. It's not to give us what we deserve. And so, um, everything that we have, all of this work of the Holy Spirit, is not because I deserve it. You see, that's what the devil will tell you. Who do you think you are to come to have your quiet time with God after what you did? That's what the devil will plant in your mind. You should just give up. You should just quit serving God. You should just quit going to church. You should just quit trying to be a Christian in your workplace. Why? Because you failed. That's the devil. If you ever have those thoughts creep in your mind, know who put them there. Come straight from the pit. That's not from God. God doesn't reward us with his presence because we deserve it. He rewards us with his presence because of his grace and because he is good and because Christ lived the life that we could not live in our place.
and he's clothed us with his righteousness. One day I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm not going to go to heaven because I deserve it. I'm going to go to heaven because I've been washed with the blood of Jesus. I've been cleansed by his great sacrifice. The way has been opened into the presence of God. Now, but even more so. Won't it be great one day when this old nature is forever taken away? And we can worship God unhindered by that old nature. It'll be a great day. Until that time, know that you have a partner. And his name is the Holy Spirit. And he will help you live for Christ. And he will comfort you when you fail. And assure you of his presence. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the comfort that your Holy Spirit brings. Thank you for sending us the Holy Spirit, Lord. Um, So many times, Father, we haven't deserved your love, but uh, just like Peter was recommissioned by Jesus, so you assure us that you're not finished with us through your Spirit. Father, I pray that you'll minister to each heart here tonight and help them to sense your presence and uh, the Holy Spirit at work within their lives on a regular basis. And God, I, I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know Christ, I pray that they would Trust Jesus Christ even tonight so that they could receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Lord, uh, help us make the decisions we need to make. And I pray it in Jesus' name.